I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. I think it's just the human condition to be horny. I'm not over masturbating. I'm trying to avoid cancer. Different topic, different episode, but like, I just couldn't bust a nut. Fuck, I just need to bone. Now I love sucking dick, okay? There's no dildo in the world that can fix that. Hi everyone, my name is Em, and you are listening to Sexistentialist, the show where you and I talk about sex. Uh, Today, I am taking through yet another uh, journey of sexual exploration with my dear sweet friend, Connor. Connor, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's so good to know you and love you and cherish you and have you in my life. Um, I'd like to tell... How long have we known each other? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Over ten at least. Over a decade, yeah, because I was I was a wee first year in high school and you were, you know, big man about campus, a couple years barely, older. I was barely graduating high school. That's where I, <laughs> that's where I was. I think uh the important thing for listeners to know is that I knew you when you were straight. Yes. Right? We can agree that's yes. the that's the crucial part of that dynamic. When I liked boobies. You flirted with me when you were straight. I, I had a goal. I was like, <laughs> you know, M is going to be my girlfriend. And uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my gay art was just like high functioning at an early age, and I was like, like li- lifelong Swerve. friend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> lifelong friend, yes. Girlfriend, no. No. <laughs> girlfriend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I was like fourteen, and you were sixteen. Yeah. Um, which I think we can agree is a pretty tumultuous age in general, oh, let yeah. alone on the sex, gender, and sexuality front. Hundred <laughs> percent. Just hormones. Yeah, everywhere. one of the main reasons I think. Okay, I'll say you and I have always lots to talk about. Period. Um, not always. about not about periods. Um, like, but like the punctuation mark. I mean, sometimes um, we do. Sometimes about sometimes periods. True. True. Um. But I I think that you and I both have a deep understanding of the ways that sex and exploration of sexuality and, of course, mental health and mental illness can all be interwoven. And I think um, because we became friends at the time in our lives that we did, we saw that in each other kind of firsthand. And I feel like you've had um, such a a long journey in in the decade that I've known you and... um, you know, I, I want to get down to the nitty gritty of it, especially because I feel like you're in a kind of a great life chapter of like healing and learning, you know, not to sound corny. Let's do it, man. Let's get in, let's get in the nitty gritty. Yeah. Let's bring up some trauma. Do you remember in high school when everyone called me hashtag damaged? Yes. Yes. I, I remember that you were, I think you were the one pioneering that too. <laughs> <laughs> Was I? Sounds like me. <laughs> what is tragedy without being able to make jokes about it? Right. It's, it, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, who the hell are you going to laugh at? Exactly. So I made a comment that I knew you when you were straight, we can clarify yes, that you are I gay. <laughs> a homosexual. Homosexual. I, I am, I am a gay is that like a Dr. Seuss character or like a frozen dessert? Um, it's actually, it's a frozen dessert inspired by Dr. Seuss character. Oh, um, got it, but, got it, got it. Uh, I don't know if you heard the news, but Dr. Seuss <laughs> is supposedly canceled. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to say, oh, gosh, uh, we're going to say uh, it's a dessert. But yeah, I am a homosexual. Mm-hmm. I am a, I identify as a man who is primarily attracted to other men. Um, 
that doesn't mean I don't find a, a lady pretty once in a while. Thank oh, you. Sure, I sure, I'll pretty. I sure appreciate pretty. that compliment that it was obviously directed yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> you sure are pretty. Um, but yeah, for, for the most part, like, you know, 99.99% of the time. So like a condom or hand sanitizer, I <laughs> uh, am attracted to men. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I want to hear you walk us through um, that journey a little bit. and um, of, of being straight and then turning gay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and the, the shades of gray in between that you identified as for a while. So I, I think it's very important for the viewers out there who are struggling with their sexuality or... or I guess, I guess now I, my hope is that in 2021, you don't have to struggle with it, but, um, I guess who are figuring it out mm. is that you don't have to, you know, I, um, I think for a long time, I always, I always sought out like a label, whether it was for my mental health or my sexuality. And I think deep down, mm. I always knew I was gay. Uh, I remember, it's actually my first crush. Um, dang, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to use her real name. <laughs> so we're going to call her Lindsay. My first crush, Lindsay. Um, I, I, I remember clearly, like I had, I had a dream. We were, we were in the same, um, group, like youth group together. Mm-hmm. And I had a dream that we went and we saw Beating the Beast in theaters. Uh, um, but you know, it, the movie had come out like 21 years before that. Um, <laughs> this was probably uh, 2004, 2004, yeah. So I was like 12 or something. And I, uh, we in the dream, we kissed whenever the Beast and Belle kiss, because why not? It's, it, it's hot, you know, hot sure. all around. Kind of like last episode, <laughs> uh, Cartoon Robin Hood. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cartoon, cartoon Beast turning into man. Yeah, oof. Yeah. Hot. Nothing Lots like, of unexplained emotions. Not like, nothing like a Stockholm syndrome. Right? Oof. Sexy. Yep. Um, and from then on, it was this attraction to her. And it honestly, thinking back now, I think it was more of an obsession than mm-hmm. it was. I was never creepy. Okay. <laughs> you know, no. I was never, it was, it was never like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> but it was, I was obsessed with the idea of, um, being in love with her, you yeah. know, and I think, I think looking back now, when you're 12, 13, dude, even at the age of 27, sometimes you really don't know what you're attracted to. Mm. And especially when you're that young and there's so many hormones going on. And I think I really was obsessed with the idea of being in love. And, um, Retweet. she, yeah, right. Retweet. RT, RT. <laughs> um, but she unfortunately did not reciprocate those emotions or feelings. She was um, very much attracted to my brother, oh, <laughs> who you God. also know, uh, and who is also <laughs> very gay. <laughs> Can I just say, I love when siblings are gay. I just feel like yeah. it proves something to someone about biology. So it has to be biology. You know, yeah, like it just anyway, that's a different conversation, but I, so yeah. I, I think kind of like tangent, I think it has to be something in pregnancy because mm-hmm. my older brother, super, super, I guess, 
stereotypically heterosexual, mm-hmm. you know, like hurdy dirty dirty, you know, long beard, <laughs> and blah blah blah, blah. and um, and whereas my brother and I, we're we're pretty feminine. I and he's actually, and he he'll openly admit to it that he's more on the feminine side. Mm. Um. And so it has to be something in pregnancy. Has to be something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she had the hots for my brother, and um, so that like devastated me. Of course. And then of course we moved out of state, and kind of it's it set me up in several situations where how I met you, mm-hmm. and um, you know we I grew up in a very conservative area. I know mm-hmm. you lived in a city, so uh, we would drive an hour. Uh, to hang out at a youth group, which was more progressive and all that. Because my parents, they, so my mom's a fallen Catholic and my dad was raised Anglican, which mm. is like the international version. Not like it is. It is the international version of the Episcopalian church. So the mm-hmm. church of England, but from a young age, my brother and I, we were, uh, you know, wearing my mom's heels and, you know, we just expressed wanting to play with Barbies and all that. Yeah. And so we, uh, my, my mom kind of knew what was up. And so she, through her, lots of research, found the religion I met you through. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, what the kids would call woke. You know? <laughs> that, that term was not around back in 1998. That <laughs> no, was not. Um, and so that's how, uh, through that, when we moved out of state and moved to the new state, we moved, that's how I met you guys. Yeah. Um, and so... But we lived an hour away from the city where this church was located. We lived in a very conservative town, um, you know, the South, 2006, mm-hmm. you know. Tough time. Um, it was a tough time for everybody involved. Yeah. But <laughs> it was just you couldn't be gay, you know. Yeah. And I just – I knew that. I We had moved from a pretty liberal state to a very conservative state uh, in the South, and I just remember – feeling like someone had pulled me back in time, you know, like this is, and I felt so lost and so scared. And, you know, that's really when my depression really started because I couldn't be myself. I couldn't be genuine. I can be, I I wasn't comfortable being me. And I actually ended up discovering what I, at the time I accepted as bisexuality. And I, uh, I really, really wanted to be bisexual. Like, like, like you knew me when I was straight. Okay, I tried. I tried. You tried really hard. I did, and uh, because I didn't want to be ostracized, and I didn't want yeah. that pain, you know. Yeah. Um. I will say, you know, I'm doing the math. Eleven, twelve years later, <laughs> it uh, it's gotten a lot better. I um. And I'll kind of talk more about this later, but I, I'm happy being me. Mm. You know, I, I have happy problems now, <laughs> but I, um, you know, back in, back in 2000, even 2010, yeah. like you, you, you couldn't be gay, you know? And, um, so I thought I was bisexual and then I went to high school down there and it was super conservative. So I just, and I got, I got made fun of, you know? Like they, they call me gay slurs all the time. And, um, they would call me push pop because, you know, you, you you stick your finger up a push pop and, you know, yeah. 
That's fucked up. I mean, it's fucked up, man. I've never even heard of that. Neither had I. And honestly, I don't think it's that creative. Like, I feel like you could, you know, be better, there, <laughs> get better, be better. That's yeah. Um, but I woke up every day knowing I was going to be called faggot, yeah. you know, and um, I just I wanted to die. Like, what what was the point, you know? And yeah. I would pray and I would pray and I would pray. I was just like. God, please don't make me gay. I just want people to like me. Mm-hmm. And I would actively chase girls in high school. Yeah. Um and I just wanted it to be I wanted it so bad. And deep deep down I knew there was nothing I could do that would change that. Like I used to do things like okay, so whenever there was a commercial break, you know, cuz back in the day we used to watch TV with commercials and not mm-hmm. like fast forward. Um <laughs> Whenever there was a commercial break, I would think, okay, if I can go upstairs, pee, and come back before the commercial break is done, I'm not gay. You know, like, I would do these little bets or these little setups or these little competitions. Yeah. And, you know, like, a good 75% of the time, I would win, and I'd be pissed because I still had the hots (laughs) for guys, you know? I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Damn Um, it. Damn it. And so – um. I did watch a lot of porn at that age. Um, My parents and I, we just really didn't talk about sex. You know, my mom gave me a book and gave me a book about like, I think it's called um, what's happening to your body for men, for boys, like for adolescent guys. Yeah. And she gave me $25 to read it. And she was like, I'll give you a full 40 if we have a quiz afterwards. And I was like, no mom, you can keep those (laughs) $15. And so um, we really didn't talk about sex that much. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I think, like, obviously I grew up in the same state as you, but I was in, like, a large metropolitan area, and so I, um, and I, I just grew up with parents who were super open and, and accepting, and I, you know, in the last episode talked about how that gave me such a privilege in terms of my own sexual exploration, but I think, like, when I kind of knew you at that time in our lives, um, and I knew that you were going through a really hard time with your mental health. I never for a second thought that it was about your identity or your sexuality. Um, and that's not to say that it was everything, right? Because, of course, there's brain chemistry stuff tangled up in there, too, I'm sure. But um, I just thought because I was a part of this progressive community and that's how I knew you. That it was like, well, why, why wouldn't Connor come out? You know what I mean? Or like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't Connor be open about who he is attracted to or even who he loves. Right. But, um, I mean, I'm just, I think like that's, that goes to show that you can be a a part of a community that's at least as superficially welcoming as ours was and still be so isolated and bullied and and every other reason, no matter what, um, people undermine that experience. So yeah, well, if, if you think about it, I could only be, sort of myself for two hours every Sunday. Yeah. You know, uh, my parents had me when they were older, again, fallen Catholic, fallen Anglican. And while they were a little more on the progressive scale and they already had their, their suspicions, um, I couldn't talk to them about being gay. I couldn't talk to them about being attracted to guys because that's not what you do. Okay. Yeah. And 
my parents have this beautiful love story. Like they met when they were teenagers and they got married as young adults and like they still walk across the street holding hands. And so that was the bar. Yeah. You know, that that's what I was conditioned both by society and my family and friends that that's what you do. Yeah. You know, you, you find yourself a bitch and you knock her up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, no, totally. And um and so I got pretty involved in drugs. Uh, starting at the age of 16, 15. Yeah. Um, I managed to get a prescription for ADHD meds. And it was a way to really numb things out. Mm. And because I got involved so many times, like you remember, I went to rehab like twice, three, yeah. th- three different hospitals, but two different occasions. And it was all because I was trying to numb this this horrible feeling, you know, of, you know, and people would come up to me in high school and they would tell me like, you're going to hell. And my brother was openly gay at the time. The poor dude couldn't hide it. <laughs> but um, people would come up to me and they would tell me, like, you know, you and your family are going to hell because you don't, you're not going to change your brother. If they're thinking can't. that about him, what are they thinking about me? People are so cruel. And I know, I know that, like, I shouldn't be surprised by that because I know, like, at a systemic level – the LGBTQ community has been marginalized and oppressed for so long, but it's just to think about other children coming up to you and being that cruel. Um, it just makes me, it's just, it astounds me how, how young we are when we learn how to be mean and unforgiving and intolerant. Well, so like, don't get me wrong. I had it and I have it a lot better than many people on this planet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you hear stories about pe- people being tied to trucks and being dragged yeah. around, you know, and people being beat up. And I have never been beat up, you know, uh, which is amazing because I have a big mouth and I can be kind of a bitch <laughs> sometimes. But I have never been hit. I have never been physically hurt because of my sexuality. Hmm. But, yeah. you know, for five years living in that area, I was in constant fear of that happening. Yeah. And so how do you protect yourself? You just, you shrink yourself and you kind of shrivel yourself up so you can't be seen, you know, because if, mm. if, you know, the predator can't see you, you're not prey. And so I really lost who I was and I tried so hard to be somebody I'm not. And uh, then I went to college and I went to my uh, college in a metropolitan area, which is super fucking awesome okay if you're trying to if you're out there trying to decide between you know small town school or like a same price college in the city go go to the city um and that's really where i discovered my sexuality and that's when i re-came out as bisexual yeah you know because my mom dad already had one gay son they couldn't have another you know that would kill them (laughs) that would kill my dad and, um, and so, you know, that's when I really started having sex with men on the regular, yeah. you know, I had lost my virginity to a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my brother's graduation party and, um, uh, my mom's friend's grandson who was, who's my age, by the way. <laughs> um, we just got really drunk. We got, it was the first time I ever got drunk. I was 15 and we got drunk on limoncello and IPAs. Plus, Ugh, dude, it was it, oh god, it's nasty more, combination. 
Okay, it's so gross coming down, but coming back up is disgusting. And you know, we we were really really drunk, and then he he suggested he was like, "Do you want to watch porn?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I do!" <laughs> you know, I was fifteen. You know, any it's any opportunity right. to watch porn is like yes, okay. And um, so we began watching porn, and he's like, "Damn, I'm kind of horny. I kind of want to jack off." I was like, and I just looked at him, and I was like shit i'll do it if you do it these two 15 year olds beating each other off and then one thing led to another and we we ended up having very intoxicated very bad <laughs> not great sex um Fair. you know i never hear of anybody even if they're sober losing their virginity and being like rainbows and butterflies and you know Literally candles in the never. background never you know if people say that it's a lie or they're lying someone yeah. wasn't a virgin or <laughs> they've done it before that shit is fake that shit is fake as fuck um and we never talked about it ever again i've seen him i think twice since that happened was he um, a virgin as well do you know or i mean we had both told each other that we're not virgins Got and, it. you know, apparently, according to each other, we're just like fucking bitches left and right, you know, slaying puss. Why? Yeah. Um, why wouldn't why wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, last year in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and during the, the pandemic, yeah. he had a he had a baby with a woman and they got wow. married. And so I don't know what's going on with him. It maybe he it, it could very well be yeah. that he just got drunk and had sex with a guy, you know, at the age of 15. Yeah. I, I think I, I think that's what happened. Yeah, I mean it's it's so it's so hard to tell, right? I mean, like obviously I'm a, I mean you know I I don't I don't do labels, but like I'm a queer woman who's like been mm-hmm. consistently in long term relationships with men, and most of the men I've been with have also had plenty of sexual encounters with men, and either they label themselves or they don't. But it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like, yeah, if you stalked my partners or my exes social media you'd be like oh yeah well they're straight dudes but like if you talk to them about it in an intimate setting there's more there but like i don't know i mean it's you just can't know i guess that's like both the fun part and the like annoying part about sexuality or like sexual gray area well i think it's just the human condition to be horny retweet like so true on a biological sense we are designed to fuck okay because we got to populate this planet. <laughs> and um, obviously we're doing very well. <laughs> we're doing really well. Unfortunately. Uh, right. Um, but I also think, you know, that, that switch, the, you know, the condition to be horny doesn't have boundaries as much, you know? Yeah. And because of society, we've been conditioned to only procreate. You know, sex is only for procreation. Whereas, you know, we're, we're meant to have sex, you know, that like it's scientifically proven that the more sex you have, the less cancer you have. And is that true? um, This is true. Yeah. I've never heard that. That's so so good to know. That's why, well, that's why they, they specifically with guys, like you need to ejaculate on the regular and it reduces your risk of prostate cancer. That makes sense. It does. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's true. You know, and I, Ever since I heard that on the daily, okay, <laughs> once, twice, thrice, I'm just trying not to get cancer, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not over masturbating. I'm, I'm trying to avoid cancer. It's totally yeah, normal. It's medical, guys. 
It's normal. It's normal either way. You, normal. you can masturbate as much as you right? want. I have a friend. He um, and I'll, I'll, I kind of, I kind of, I'll dive deeper into this. But I, yeah. uh, I'm actually, I'm sober, um, mm-hmm. and I'm part of a 12-step program. And a friend in that 12-step program, he was like, "Yeah, I called my sponsor the other day because I masturbated five times that day, and I was kind of <laughs> worried about it." And I was, and I, and I was like, "Well, what did your sponsor say?" And he was like. <laughs> He'd ask me, well, did you have anything you have to do that day? And I genuinely didn't. <laughs> and, he, and the sponsor was like, well, if it's not affecting your life, then it's not a problem. And I was like, bet. Yeah. <laughs> bet. Um, so the, the, this dude and I, we, yeah. we we had sex at the age of 15. And, of course, the very next day, I took a long, hot, dramatic shower. Just like I couldn't. There was no – like in the movies, there was no amount of soap I could – used mm-hmm. to wash away the disgusting thing I did the night before. And I lived with the secret that I had sex with a guy that mm-hmm. like, I let, I let him put his dick in my butt, <laughs> you know, at yeah. the age of 15. And it was just, I was tormented by, by this secret and I shouldn't have to be tormented by that. You know, did you lie and, and say that you were a virgin or did you tell people that you had had sex with women? I had, okay. So I had created this whole backstory because you know i thought well if i have a story behind this you know i could defeat the rumors that i'm gay mm-hmm. so i made up a rumor that i had sex with this girl olivia <laughs> in <laughs> uh the dad the back of my dad's camry Hot. uh because that's where i lost my virginity i lost my virginity in the back of my dad's camry and inside the garage like the parked garage oh. and so i you know i made it more spicy you know we drove the camry to the mm-hmm. church down the street and we had sex in the church car parking lot. church parking lot and uh of course nobody fucking believed me and so i probably uh, did i don't know dude some people were like bullshit <laughs> and so um i actually proceeded not to have sex up until the age i was 17 mm, wow. um and that's because i worked at a certain christian fried chicken establishment <laughs> and uh with jesus chicken and i, I that, yeah. right um and i just wanted by then i was pretty involved in drugs and i was pretty involved in alcohol and i just wanted to bone man and yeah. i was eight i was i was 18 i think actually i was 18 and i you know i couldn't buy booze and it's just easier to get drugs so i just took a shit ton of ambien and yeah. then one day a coworker of mine and I, she was like, let's go to the beach. And so this other guy that she knew and I had a threesome <gasps> in my mom's minivan at the beach and it was two dudes servicing one girl. Okay. Yeah. And oh, dude, like every time I went up to this girl upon insertion, push and rope, push and rope, oh, yeah. man. Cause I'm, cause I'm gay. Okay. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> no, it's not your flavor. It's not my flavor. <laughs> Um, and so we just ended up masturbating and finishing off and we were so fucked up that we were, we took turns laying face down and face down in the ocean. And then we were like, Oh shit, that's how you can drown. Yeah. Um, so that was my second sexual experience, you know? Mm. And so it really wasn't until college I started having healthier, not healthy, yeah. but healthier sexual experiences. And by then nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I was starting a brand new life for myself. I could go ahead and start a life as that bisexual guy, you know? Yeah. 
And slowly and surely, the idea of being with a guy was, I was accepting it more. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I remember one night I was just driving, and I was driving down to see my parents, and I was on a lot of Adderall, and I was smoking a joint on the drive, and I just began crying. Mm-hmm. And it's because I knew, I just, I, I just fucking knew. And it was like, you're gay. And I just started screaming, you know, yeah. of course I was incredibly intoxicated. Okay. <laughs> but like, I just started screaming and I didn't want it to be true, but I knew it was. Can I ask what that feeling was like? Cause obviously parts of you, well, a, a big part of you was aware of it for a really long time. Um, I just think of like when you were younger and like making the bets with yourself and like praying and all this stuff. So can I ask like what it felt like to be driving, to be high, and then to have that moment of like, oh, fuck, I'm gay um, and having this like new wave of, of realization hit you? You know, looking back at it now, it's um, it breaks my heart because there was so much pain. You know, and it wasn't a, oh, fuck, I'm gay. It's, you're fucking gay. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, I, I knew. Yeah. I've been new. <laughs> um, and it was, it was like somebody, did you ever watch Indiana Jones, the Obviously. Temple of Doom, where Obviously. they, <laughs> where they go and they take that guy's heart out and they just <laughs> rip it out? Yeah. That's what it was. Someone came up to me, tore off everything I was carrying and ripped it out. Hmm. So there was a physical weight that had been lifted from me, but at the same time, my heart was gone, and hmm. I had this giant hole inside of me. You know, I'm, I'm wounded, I am broken. And, you know, I got home, my parents were already asleep, and hmm. I got really drunk. I, drank, I think I drank like two bottles of wine, hmm. and I woke up at noon. And it was just business as usual, you know? Nothing's different. Connor's bisexual. Yeah. We're just not going to think about last night. And um, nothing happened, you know? Like, it wasn't... I didn't stop to hook up with a guy. I didn't... I wasn't seeing somebody, you know? It was... Mm. Oh, fuck. You know? And I, I think a lot of it had to do with... I was living my life and being free and being more authentic. Yeah in one area, you know, in college, and then going back home, I couldn't do that. So I had, I had to find all this armor hiding myself and it's just exhausting, you know? Yeah. And armor and shields are heavy as fuck. Okay. <laughs> and I was tired. I was just really tired. And I think, I think that's what happened. I think I broke down cause I was just so tired of carrying this lie. Yeah. And it was a lie to protect myself, but it, it still it just carried so much weight to it. No, that, that makes sense. And at, at that point, even though there was a sense of relief, um, your relationship to drugs and alcohol, the things that you were, I mean, using, if I understand correctly, to numb, you know, the, the fear and the self-hatred even, um, like that, the level of relief you felt was not enough to overcome the dependency that you had formed on, on substances. True. And something, something that you, you touched up on was the level of self-hatred. Hmm. I hated myself because 
society had told me over and over again, you're terrible. You know, you're a deviant. You're gross. And to add it to the mix, I'm a drug addict now. Because by then it was too late, dude. It was, yeah. it was too it was too fucking late. Yeah. And We were messed I, up for yeah, I was so long. For so long. By then it had already been six or seven years. Yeah. You know? And um it was just it was just too late. And I uh and I had found myself to enjoy, you know, stuff. Yeah. Um and yeah, I, I, I accepted the, my sexuality and I started coming out as gay, but I had to be the perfect gay, you know? And mm-hmm. it was like the the man with the spouse who happened to be a husband, but you know, we still had the matching luxury cars and the two point five children <laughs> and the white picket fence and even that pressure just made me get more involved into drugs. And um drugs are fucking expensive, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> cocaine ain't cheap. Even yeah. alcohol is super expensive. Yeah. And um I had no fucking money in college. And so I kinda had to figure things out. And I figured out you know i was like hmm, what is the best way to make some kashish you know <laughs> like what's the best way to make some cash and i you know i didn't want to sell drugs because i was busy using them and <laughs> i didn't want to steal because stealing stealing right but hey i could have sex and people could pay me for that mm-hmm. you know and i it is it, you know you know i've talked about this offline but it's a little more common in the gay community. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's more normalized to be an escort. Um, yeah. A, a man of the night. <laughs> um, but and in reality, do, yeah, go ahead. I would say we're, we're both proponents of like sex work is real work, right? And uh-huh. like some people are able to be sex workers in a way that works for them physically, like mental health wise and financially. But my understanding is that that was not the no. <laughs> that was oh, not the experience you had. No. Yeah, no. I even now, okay, I have a very um, positive general view, like like a macro view of yeah. sex work, whether it is um, prostitution or pornography or mm-hmm. you know, it, it, sex work is such a it, it's a it's a big umbrella term for so many micro industries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a, a proponent of you have to be mentally healthy. You know, yeah. you have to be there. You have to be okay with yourself. You have to love yourself. And I was a drug addict who became a hooker <laughs> to pay for drugs. <laughs> right. You know, there was nothing healthy about it. There was, I was just trying to get more drugs. Truly the opposite of self-love, in fact. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I know of some men in sobriety, um, who are, who are part of my Twasset community, mm-hmm. who they are happy making a shit ton of money <laughs> off of um, sex work, whether yeah. it being, you know, one-on-one time or in OnlyFans, and they're happy. Yeah. And that's how, that's, that's how they happen to make money. But they there's a sense of security within themselves that I think is required if you want to do that, that work, you know? Yeah. And it's not of, oh, what will others think? It's, can, can you continue doing this, you know? Can can you separate sex and emotions? I think, for me, it was very damaging, mm. you know, being um, being, being a, a, a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
because I am not one who can separate emotions and sex, Yeah. you know? And that being said, like, I can't have anonymous sex with people. Like, and just because I can't, I haven't gotten there yet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not holding out hope, <laughs> but, um, didn't work for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> just tried it. Just a, still knocking it. No, but there are plenty of men and women out there and everything in between who can happily have no strings attached, consensual sex. Yeah. And a big thing for me is that the sex was not always con- consensual mm. in those situations. Um, even in the moments when I acted like I wanted to be there, you know, like you got to make your $200. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to be there and yeah. I hated it. I hated every second of it. And I just needed money. Yeah. That's really hard. And I mean, I, I think it's like, it's clear that your sexuality and sexual experiences are from, from the get go have been completely interwoven with your like self perception. And thus, like, unfortunately a lot of negative feelings. And I can only imagine that, I mean, your, your stint as, as a sex worker, as a prostitute j- just made things worse, unfortunately. Yeah. And again, like, I, I want to clarify, like, you can have a healthy career in sex work. Totally. You know, because I couldn't have one does not mean you can't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I couldn't. And I conditioned myself to believe that my physical body is the only thing I, I bring to the table now. Mm. You know? And it got to a point where I was using so many drugs and that my, my appearance went in the tank, okay? <laughs> and people stopped booking, okay? And I couldn't make any money even <laughs> sucking dick, okay? <laughs> and um, it, it got bad, you know? And it, uh, then I resorted to stealing. And um, I was such a shell of a person. And I, I wanted to die, you know? I never mm. actively sought to commit suicide mm. um but i was hope i always hoped that this last bump this last shot you know yeah you know like please let this be the last one and it was never a please oh please let this be the last one i want to quit i i didn't want to live i had no will to live i didn't have a will to die but i had no will to live hmm. and when you were in this time were you on antidepressants too or had you stopped taking them so I had been taking them. I was taking lithium at the time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, lithium and Prozac uh, or fluoxetine. Fluoxetine? There's some way to pronounce it. So many letters. Um, right. It's the generic version of Prozac. <laughs> and um, now being sober and, um, you know, after a couple of years, the chemicals finally leveled out and all that. Um, I, I realized I was misdiagnosed, Mm. uh, as bipolar, um, for many reasons, you know, I was, I was methed out in high school, (laughs) you know, I was methed out for years and that came as, came across as mania kind of, as I mentioned before, hell yeah, I'll fuck you up. And kind of like I mentioned before, I was seeking a label. I wanted to know there's something wrong with me, you know, and I knew what it was, you know, I knew that it's because I'm gay and I was 
trying to shove that shit down but no you know bipolar makes more sense (laughs) and um, i'm not gay i'm just it's just bipolar it's just bipolar no no homo yeah no homo just bipolar it's just bipolar Uh. um and so in college i saw a uh psychiatrist the, 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 the health center psychiatrist yeah and um she was like have you ever had a lithium test done and i was like no and so, so apparently people who have bipolar have little to no lithium in their body. And that's one reason why they exhibit those symptoms. Oh, and yeah. so the fix is lithium. And so they did a lithium level test and I had literally no fucking lithium in my system. Okay. And so the psychiatrist was like, oh yeah, you do have bipolar. But the reason, um, the reason why I didn't have any lithium is because I was so anorexic at the time. You know, oh, yeah. my diet consisted of Adderall and vodka. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you didn't have any mineral or vitamin yeah, yeah, or anything. Anything in my body, okay? I don't think I had bone density. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you were just like walking cocaine. Yeah, I was Connor cocaine, you know? Connor and cocaine. It was just, ugh, man, I had nothing in my body. That's why yeah, I had the lithium. So yikes. And so, um, and that was like way before the prostitution stuff but i had been on meds yeah. for a while yeah so then, well so yeah. has has your diagnosis changed since you've been sober i don't mean to jump ahead but um you've said obviously things have balanced out for you mental health wise so what does that look like now or you know, or if you want to Tell us how you got sober, too. That's an important step in the process. (laughs) Well, I will say that, you know, when you're not doing meth all the time, (laughs) you're not as uh, erratic. (laughs) You know, the chemicals in your brain are a little more even. Um, But when I got sober, I I just want to start fresh. And not not under the direction of a doctor. I do not recommend this. I again, I do not recommend this, but I went ahead and I just tossed all that shit in the trash. Mm. And you know, I was detoxing off drugs and alcohol. So you know, <laughs> what's detoxing yeah. off? You know, mood stabilizers. You know, like so I felt like shit either way. But in in sobriety, it's it's been a gift in purely in the sense of I'm not flooding my brain with chemicals. You know, I mean, caffeine, yes, <laughs> and then for most of it until. Uh, recently nicotine as well hmm. um but it you know it just things just kind of evened out and i did get very depressed again in um in 2018 hmm. no not 2018 2019 uh and i you know i'd been sober for a while and it was just you know i was just living life on life's terms and yeah. i do think no not i think i know i have depression and anxiety yeah. and so i knew where to go and I, I walked into that psychiatrist's office, and first of all, I wasn't at the health center of the university, you know. And then, um, second of all, I was like, "Hey, I'm, I'm in recovery. I don't want Xanax. I don't want Adderall. I don't want Fivance. I don't want this. I don't want that. I, mm-hmm. I literally just want Prozac. Yeah, that is it. I am sad. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to get I'm... high. Damage good. Damage okay. good. Prozac only." Yeah, I was like, what's serotonin, you know? <laughs> Trying to find my serotonin, has anyone yeah. seen it? <laughs> exactly, and so I that's why I went, and so it's helped out a lot. Um, obviously, along the way, I've had to do some tweaks, and I'm not on it anymore. I'm on a 
the newest version called Trintilix. Mm-hmm. It's um just because TBH, I mean, I, different topic, different episode, but like I just couldn't bust a nut on Prozac. <laughs> Fair enough. I, could, yeah. I couldn't get an orgasm. And so I was common. Like, yeah, apparently it's super common. And I was like, this is fucked up. Yeah. And uh, I started seeing a new psychiatrist. And the dude straight up recommended uh, ketamine treatment. And mm. I was like, did, did you miss the part where I'm where sober? I, yeah, where <laughs> I know? said, like, I'm a recovering addict. Yeah. I used to, like, that is not the fucking answer. I, I used to be in a K hole all the time, okay? Yeah. Like, that is not the solution, okay? <laughs> no. Like, it's like it's like medical marijuana. I there's a purpose for it, and I believe in it. But Connor cannot do that. No, it's Connor a hard can, pass. Yeah, hard pass. So he was like, "Well, let's let's just try this this new one, Trintilix. It's like the fourth newest version. Um, they changed a couple molecules, and I will say, I'm no longer sad. I don't have as, as much anxiety. I am a millennial, so I will always be anxious <laughs> about something. <laughs> and I think you can agree with that. Yes, one hundred percent. So I'm not sad. My anxiety levels have come down, and I can orgasm pleasantly now. So, nice. Yeah. Um, but kind of touching back on, on how I got sober. Yeah. And this is just, you know, whether you think it's a God thing or a universe thing or a coincidence. My favorite client, uh, when I was a a, a prostitute, um, <laughs> he he and I we just always had a special connection. He was my regular, you know. And he had a fabulous dick. Well, he still has. Yes. I, I hope it's still there. <laughs> um, oh, you know, it was like thick, but like not too big. And it, oof, perfect. Yeah. And he knew how to use it too, which is great. Um, a gift. So I enjoyed it a lot too. So it was one of the few times where I felt safe and comfortable. And I was excited to see a client. Yeah. And I would get money, you know. And it was, you know, whatever one day post post big o he and i were, were laying in bed and he's kind of like i don't want to say complaining but he's kind of venting about how he has to do this thing for this you know 12 step meeting he has to go to and so i really didn't think much about it but i, I knew he was sober mm-hmm. so two years later by then clients including my fair one had stopped hiring me i was a fucking mess Oh my god! And the stuff that just the embarrassing shit that just happens to you, <laughs> like just as a gay man in general. Yeah. Um. Just oh my god. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll touch on that as well. In, in a second, yeah. Yeah. Um. But I was just so done, and I was so sad, and I um, I knew something had to change, you know, nothing was working, and so I called the client who uh, who had become a friend. A friend with a great dick, and <laughs> my favorite I, kind of friend. Right out the best, bless. <laughs> um, and I asked him, I was like, "Do you think I'm a drug addict?" And he started laughing, and oh. he, he asked me the most important question: "Is like, do you think you're a drug addict?" And I sat there and I was like, "I think I am." And he asked me, he's like, "Well, I can't do anything tonight. This was a Monday," hmm. and he was like, "But tomorrow." I'm going to my favorite meeting. Are you okay for tonight? And I look over and like I still had it. I still had a pretty hefty amount of cocaine. <laughs> so I was like, perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm good. He's like, okay, well, meet me at this restaurant here, and I'll take you to my favorite meeting. And that was August first, two thousand seventeen. And um, while that is not my sobriety date, that's the beginning mm-hmm. of my journey into recovery. And I quickly learned I didn't have to live the way I was living. 
you know, I didn't have to suck dick for cash, but rather mm. suck dick for pleasure, which is so much better. Oh, truly. Amen. Truly better. So much better. And now I love sucking dick. Okay. God, I hope my mom never hears this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. Um, right. And so it's like a passion, passion project. There's you know? nothing, there's nothing like a consensual dick sucking. Oh, it's great. Oh my God. Especially totally. when they, they grab the back of your head. Just Amen. go for it. There, yeah. I mean, I could go on. There, there, there are so many gifts that come with, LOL, that come with giving head, with receiving head too. But mm-hmm. I, well, see, yeah. You talked about this in your last episode. Yeah. A lot of guys don't know how to give head. It true. Most, you know, a lot of people, people don't know how don't. to give head. Like to any other genital. I feel like it's, it is... I mean, I don't want to say it's artful in a way that makes it sound like I am complimenting myself, but I, mm. I do think like it's hard work to yeah, give. It's good a head. job. Okay. There's a reason it's called a blow job because it's a job. <laughs> it's okay. It's a fucking job. It's true. And, uh, you know, with most jobs, you need experience. So you need experience. And you know what? You need to love it. You need to love need your to love job it. to do well. <laughs> you know, it's like, cause you know, if you love your job, is it really a job? You know? <sighs> so true. Ugh. And so like, the fact that like I get to boink people, <laughs> this is my new favorite term, but, like boink buddies instead of like fuck buddy, is a boink boink buddy. I'm a um, BB. BB. Uh, the fact that I can have sex with men and it's consensual and sober and mm. you know exciting, and I don't have to worry about you know, am I going to die? You know, I used to get yeah. in, I used to get in strangers' cars all the time and wonder. And pray that that was not the last time I got in someone's car. Mm. And I'm so glad I don't have to live that way anymore. Okay. Yeah. And now that I'm a new antidepressant, I get to enjoy more or- my orgasms too. <laughs> you know, as you deserve. As I, as everybody deserves, you know. That's true. And um, but for years in sobriety, I had to masturbate just because I just was not ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that emotionally, physically, or spiritually, I was like, mm, guys are gross. No. Yeah, so. I mean, I want to I want to hear a little bit too about like how did you reincorporate sex with someone else into your life once you had been sober for a while? Like what it was that? I mean, I'm assuming it was difficult, but maybe that's a story I'm making up in my head. Um, I think sex whether you're sober or not is difficult, period. Um yeah, okay. It it is definitely more difficult when you're sober. Especially if you haven't, if you hadn't had it for a while, and the last person you had sex with was a client, yeah. you know. And so I, honestly, what happened was I was incredibly fucking horny, okay. <laughs> and it was that itch I could not scratch, and I had I think like nine months of sobriety. Mm. And so in my mind, I had convinced myself that I was ready, and you know I just kind of got tired, you know, because porn's very produced, and you know, whether it's heterosexual porn lesbian porn or man-on-man porn there's always someone screaming their head off and you're like <laughs> fake yeah <laughs> fake this news is not, this is not how it goes this is not true at all and so i um i i just i was just really fucking horny okay and i went on this mm-hmm. date with this guy and i had a, a mission like i was like <laughs> i'm either going to bone or i'm gonna get boned okay mm-hmm. and um the Top or bottom, f- I don't care. Ah, bitch, I don't care, okay? It's like, dude, <laughs> I don't even know anymore, okay? <laughs> yeah. And um, 
it was the date was fucking terrible oh my god and he literally just talked about himself the whole time and uh he's talking about how he has a party fund so and i asked him i was like well do you have a savings fund he's like no but you know i'll deal with it when i deal with it but he would save to get fucked up and i was like this okay, is not cool. the lifestyle. This is this is you're you're not the one for me, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I still really wanted to have sex, and so I had, but I had gone home already, you know. And mm. he was texting me like, "I had such a good time with you tonight," and I was like, "Hey, you know, I should have asked, but do you want to have sex?" And he was like, "Yeah, come over," and oh so God. we proceeded to have some of the worst sex I have ever had in my life, and. <sighs> I can safely say it wasn't a sobriety thing. It was just the person I was with. Yeah. You know, like, you gotta have chemistry. Totally. You know, you gotta have chemistry with that indiv- individual. And... I feel like a lot of the time that's how it goes too. The moments where you're like, fuck, I just need to bone. I don't really care about who or where or why or how. And then you, you do it and you're like, oh, it's just, it's just bad. And like, yeah it's it is what it is uh it's just not just not the dream but like it it, it's it's something i guess if you've been deprived so there's this guy flash forward now uh there's this guy down the street i don't know even know his name okay (laughs) um i think it begins with like a w or a c he told me once all I know is that he is a two-minute drive down the street. And, cause, you know, I, I, I live in a city. I'm not going to walk down this, this street <laughs> at night to go have sex. Yeah, um, you know, like freshly douched <laughs> down the street. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but all I know is he's a bartender. He's got these two dogs that like to lick you after sex. Like, lick your legs so you're sweaty and it's annoying as fuck. But he, um, we've been having sex with each other for like a year. Um, and, it's you know, it's It's good. Yeah. You know, it's not nothing great. I've never finished with him, you know, but sometimes you just got to get fucked. Okay. And so whenever I have that feeling of just like insatiable horniness, you know, that I just. He's your go-to. He's my go-to, you know, there, there's no dildo in the world that can fix that. (laughs) Um, It's so, it's so good to have like a backup plan, I guess. If mm -hmm. like you had a date that goes. He's my plan D. Is your plan D? Exactly. Everyone needs a good plan D or a plan B or a plan everything in between. If you're going to have a plan D, make sure you have the plan B. Ladies, listen. Yeah, no, that's good. And someone that you can feel like safe with when you just want to fuck. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know his name. I I think he's a bartender, but you know what I do know? I know two things. I know that the, (laughs) The dick is doable, okay? Sure. And that he's not a serial killer. Amen. The, okay. the only two things you need. Well, actually, three things. Three things. I forgot to add a third one. Okay. <laughs> the dick is doable. Mm-hmm. He is not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And I can let my fucking gut hang out, doggy style. And he does not care. No one ever wants to talk about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I struggle deeply when I look down in doggy at my tummy which is i you know i work really hard as you know to love my body it's been a very long struggle for me as it is for many people during sex or otherwise but 
damn when you and doggy and you look down it's like just, oh god especially if there's like a mirror you know it's yeah. especially if it's like sliding door closet you know like closet <laughs> like, doors with mirrors on it he can definitely see that shit and you're like i'm a whale <laughs> well, do, well do even like missionary position i'll be laying there with like my knees and like my legs up in the air oh, yeah. and i just look down and there's just like a pooch tummy crawl down there I tell you tummy crawl i'm just like oh my god uh, but he, he doesn't give a fuck you know he's like I want to say six and a half inches deep inside me. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. like, he doesn't care. Okay. You know, like he he's doesn't, busy. he's busy, you know? And so, yeah, dude, but like, I just, you know, wanting to, fe- I think that has a lot to do. So for me, I, I feel like I have to chase my orgasms. What, and that's pre drugs, during drugs and in sobriety, yeah. you know, whether it was, I was getting paid for it or, it's a random hookup or someone I'm in love with, I have to chase this fucking orgasm. And a huge part of that is, am, am, am I fat? Does, hmm. does he think I look fat? You know, you know, maybe, maybe I should like suck my tummy in. Okay. Dude, but if you're sucking your tummy in, okay. And you're actively thinking about being skinny or appearing to be skinny, you can't you're orgasm. not going to come. Yeah. No, no, I, I definitely, I mean, I, this is also a conversation for another day, but I have a lot of stuff internally that I struggle with sexually and I I make it work and I'm lucky again to have a partner who knows me really well knows my shit knows what I'm going through knows what I'm working with and like just helps me get there but it is hard when you are processing a ton of emotions and then like especially with casual sex and I don't know um like I know this is really common with straight guys because of porn. I don't know if this is the same trend with gay guys, but it's a lot of like, yeah, you could have fucking come. And it's like, don't, I'm trying to process my feelings about my body right now. Uh-huh. And you are telling me to have an orgasm and it's just not going to happen, man. Okay. For all the dudes <laughs> out there, gay, straight, and everything in between, don't fucking ask your partner if you're going to come. Okay. <laughs> you know, like don't do if it. you have to ask, they're not going to. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God! Don't ask me if I'm gonna come. No, I'm not gonna come. Okay. Yeah, especially not now. <laughs> especially not now, you know. And like, and I, I get it. Um, oh, I, I'm in the same boat. I find it so fucking hot when a guy comes. Totally. You know, when when my partner comes, it's so fucking hot. Yeah. So I understand. I understand the intention behind the question, you know, but. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, okay? <laughs> Shut the fuck up and just let me... Totally. You know, you know actually, yeah, this, this dude, I, I don't, I don't, I can't even come up with a fake name for him because I don't <laughs> even know his real name. Um, he, I was like sitting there ass up and I was almost there. And then I was like, damn, this new antidepressant is great. And yeah. uh, then he fucking asked me, are you going to come? And I was like, No. He's like, like God damn oh it. shit, now I can't come either. And so we just, we just both finished, and I mean, like, we didn't finish, we stopped. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was still nice. I, I do think you can have amazing sex without having an orgasm. Mm-hmm. But, bro, stop asking me if I'm going to ejaculate. Okay. No. Yeah, I like, I yeah, I, I think that's probably a thing across a lot of communities, right? It's just like. Well, I want my partner to come, like, or I want to be considerate of, like, their time and energy. And it's like, if they're not going to get off, like, 
I don't have to try to wait or I don't have to try to like well time my orgasm, which I feel like as a woman, when I do get off during sex, I'm like, okay, let me time this really like delicately mm-hmm. or like, let me try to like wait until they're going to get off. So it's like this beautiful magical moment of like coming together. Exactly. Like, like, you know what I mean? I'm still overthinking it every step of the way. Um, but like, it's sometimes nice just to be physically intimate. And if, if nobody splooges, then like, that's okay. You know, exactly. Sometimes I just want my prostate to be poked. Yeah. Okay. I, I, just want yes. a, I just want a slight bruise. And then whether you finish or not, whether I finish or not, I want to go watch Downton Abbey, okay? You know? The, <laughs> totally. the chick just died, okay? Like, I'm interested in seeing what happens, okay? <laughs> you know? And, you know, I, also, dude, we're, we're busy. We're adults. You know, like, there's work and, you know, f- familial yeah. relationships and all these things in our mind. And it's very rare for me to tune all of that out. I think I'm getting better with age. Um, but at the same time, you know, some of the best sex I've had, I have not finished and I've gone, actually I've gone home to masturbate and finish. Mm. And I, I, I loved it. Like, this is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you get the best of both worlds, right? You get Damn. like the, the great fuck and then some like quiet time to yourself, which is also amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I think like now that we as a collective, um, know, kind of the ins and outs of Connor, at least to a degree. I want to hear of all of your sexcapades, both sober or pre-sober or sex work. Do you have like an iconic or favorite or most embarrassing, just something, just something we can have is like the sweet, sweet cherry on top of that dank Sunday, you know? Okay. So I have two stories. Okay. Amazing. Make, I can come to mind. Okay. There's the one that's like, super fucking cool you know like <laughs> like the cool dudes like do you remember that show entourage back from back in the day you know and they they would oh, have yeah. like these awesome like sex stories but yeah like that level and then i have one that's just so fucking embarrassing that i have, I have to laugh about it mm-hmm. so let's start with the cool one okay okay good i'm um i'm in a i'm in, in a gay bathhouse and for those of you who don't know gay bathhouses are uh places where men go to have sex with other men and um <laughs> There, it gets gets kinky actually, and I'm on a lot of cocaine. And some dude I met off the the grinder, the the, the grinder, uh, the grinder, he paid, he, the, the grinder. Um, he paid for my entry because it's twenty five dollars to go in, and That's a lot. um, yeah. Well, you know, now I think about it, like they have to pay for the staff to clean up all this booge. So <laughs> I, I'm, then it's actually too little. It, it's a steal. Okay. I yeah. think <laughs> if you're cleaning up my, my gross body fluids, I should be giving you a hundred dollars. Okay. That's Cash. <laughs> but, um, he paid for my entrance and we're having pretty good sex. And then he gave me GHB. Ugh, loved it. And I mean, drugs are bad. Kids don't do it. Uh, but I was having a blast. And yeah. uh, but he got kicked out because he had been there for over 24 hours. So oh. I don't know what <laughs> drug he was on that he was up just fucking for 24 hours. 24 but... hours. Also, the fact that they were tracking him and kicked him out. Okay, so th- this is this is how it works. Okay, so you go to the bathhouse. You give him your ID. You give him your keys, your wallet, and your phone. Okay, you're allowed to keep. Oh. Before they used to have these like giant fish bowls of condoms and lube. You know, but now because of the pandemic, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I went the other day, which is <laughs> which is why because I, I was so curious because I had always been on a lot of drugs, 
And yeah. just just quick quick tangent about my recent sober adventure at the bathhouse. Um, I th- I was feeling kind of lonely. I'm not gonna lie. And so mm-hmm. I didn't go with the right intentions. But I knew going in that I wasn't gonna have sex. Hmm. I was always curious because there are there are I have do have some sober gay men who they do enjoy going to the bathhouse. Um, and now that we're all getting vaccinated, you know, we feel a little more comfortable. And I got my Moderna, you know, my double shot. And so I was like, you know, let's go. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's like a health club, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but part of the club. So there's like a like a steam room and a hot tub and a dry sauna. There's even a gym section where you can lift weights. And then if you, if you walk down the hall, it's just a maze of doors with numbers on them. And it's these little tiny bedrooms that um, you can either get a full-size bed or a twin bed. And that's where you go to fuck, you know, these strangers. Or you can go to the maze. And the maze is this dark – it's literally a maze. And it's this dark red room. And um, there's glory holes everywhere. There's, like, sex stools. And then there's always a sling, okay? And Can so, I just say that this place sounds so well thought out? I know. Leave it to a gay guy, okay? <laughs> like, the design behind everything. this. Chef's kiss. Okay. Like, it was everything. <laughs> it's everything. Um, and so I went in sobriety knowing I wasn't going to have sex. And honestly, I paid $25 to go use a mediocre hot tub and just kind of examine where I was in life, you know? Yeah. Um. And, you know, I had some realizations I'm really glad I had, you know, and it was very peaceful and very healing, all that. And it, it took the fear out of it because I was always there super high, you know, like I was mm-hmm. like the, the, the specific event I'm talking about. I was on a lot of cocaine and I was on a lot of GHB. Mm-hmm. And so this dude, because you have to check in, you turn in all your stuff and, you know, depending how much you pay, they're like, you know, you have until blah, 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 blah. And um, this guy had been there for over 24 hours. And so they stop all the music. And it's like top house hits, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, of Like course. Rihanna, Diamond in the Sky and all that shit. Oh, um, <laughs> classic. Um, <laughs> nothing like getting boned to some Rihanna, you know? Um, Never done it? Think I might have to now. <laughs> it's an experience. I'm not going to say it's a great one, but it's an experience. And so the music stops, and over the speaker, you hear, like, hey, blah, 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 your time is up. Please come to the front desk. And I think they give you the option to pay more money. Um, but anyways, he got kicked out. And okay. the idiot didn't take his drugs or his thong. So I got a free thong out of it and free drugs. And so I'm just walking around the bathhouse in a fucking thong. I still have it, actually. Um, but it clips in, so you can take it off with your teeth. And oh, okay. Ooh, yes. Um, it's very uncomfortable though, so I try not to wear it unless it's like sexy time. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I do wear thongs on the regular, and I do wear jock straps on the regular, just because my pants are so tight. COVID, COVID <laughs> weight gain is real. Okay. That's fair. Um, and so you know you don't want that VPL. <laughs> and so um, I'm just walking around the bathhouse, and then finally, I find the maze, and I lay in the swing. Okay. And this gorgeous guy comes up to me and just starts having sex with me you know and then this other gorgeous guy it's like i'm laying i'm laying in this in in the swing slash sling thing Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's like it's like a hammock um but but with chains and um i'm getting fucked and the guy fucking me uh 
so looks at this other guy and he comes up behind him and starts fucking him okay Damn. and there's just like it was like a fucking porn okay it was there's just the fucking you know, this... red neon lights as well Oh yeah, red neon lights. Rihanna's in the background, you know, <laughs> like, and just a circle of guys just watching this happen, and then all of a sudden, the guy who's inside of me stops and he's like, "Do you party?" And I was like, "What?" And all of a sudden, he fucking takes out a meth pipe and starts smoking meth, okay? And while I was inside always, you. While inside of me, okay? And I was always mm-hmm. a bougie meth addict, okay? I stuck to Adderall and Vyvanse and Ritalin, <laughs> you know. I didn't so, smoke so, so. meth. Um. Because I have standards. Okay, no. Uh, because I'm bougie. Uh, and it's because in the gay community, if they say, do you party? It means, uh, do you party with Tina? And Tina stands mm. for an 18th. So Got it's it. an 18th of meth. Um, so kids, don't party. <laughs> Stay home. I learned uh, so much just now. Right? Uh, and so um, that's why like on, on the Grinder, if, if they say party with a capital T, it means let's smoke some meth and just have some meth meth sex um okay and so this dude just starts fucking this dude starts smoking meth while fucking me while getting fucked and so yeah that that's my um cool bathhouse experience did you did you get like a secondhand meth high i mean i was so high on cocaine and ghb (laughs) that i can't even tell you can you can you tell me like a little bit about what being high on GHB is like, because I just don't know. Um, first of all, GHB is the date rape drug. Yeah. So I purposely roofied myself. Yeah. So that's, but you're conscious. So you're like <laughs> fighting. Yeah. So when these a- when these assholes roofie people at frat parties, you know, they yeah. put a severe amount in your drink, where you want to take a capful. So it, it's it's like think of it. So you know those airplane bottles of liquor. Yeah. You know, they, they put it in those and they peel off the Tito's label, put in the GHB in there. And it's it's like a syrup. It's 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 like a, it's a clear liquid. Um and you want to take a capful. And so I I took two capfuls. And um kids don't try this at home. Do not try this at home. Apparently I could have had a heart attack and I think it's a fucking god thing that I didn't. Oh my um god. because I wasn't so much cocaine. Um and really what happened was I ran out of cocaine, so I wanted to go have sex. Um, and so, um, I took a capful and it's like Molly in the sense of everything. There's lots of sensory stuff, Mm. you know, like I went to go take a shit and the action of taking a shit was literally orgasmic. Like (laughs) washing my hands was orgasmic. Like it's just, you're just in a constant state of an orgasm, but it was the very first time I did that. And Mm. most sober drug addicts will tell you that there's always that one time. You know, yeah. always, there's always the first time and you just end up chasing that. So I'm very glad I never got involved with that, but yeah. it made sex that specific time very awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously that's like a, I, I get why that's your quote unquote cool story. Um, I just wanted to know more info on that because I feel like there's, I mean, especially in the gay community, there mm. are a ton of drugs that I think are popular that are I just, in my own experiences, like, don't come into contact with, or they're, like, a a myth, you know what I mean? And so I was interested to know, like, why was that on the menu? Um, so but are you are you familiar with poppers? I am familiar with poppers, but, like, again, I, I've never ingested myself, so I so... I don't actually, I just know that, like, they're, they're supposed to loosen you up. Yeah, so for the viewers at home, poppers 
Um, it's a, it's an inhalant, and what it I didn't does know that. See. is you you just you in you know you plug one nose, you put the bottle up to your nose, and it's a gas, and so you inhale, and like a dick will slip right in. Okay, <laughs> you know for those who for those who have tried anal, you understand slow and steady, lots of loop. Okay, hmm. but um poppers is a way around that i do not recommend it you can actually you can burst a blood vessel there are many sober gay men who are blind in one eye because oh of my it God. um i do consider it a drug uh yeah but you know but yeah you know it, it really it, it it's a thing you know and so, so is meth and um i think drugs are so prevalent in the gay community for kind of the same reason why i got involved in drugs you know we want to numb things out and by the time we be, we accept our fabulous selves, it's just too late, you know. Yeah. I, I feel lucky that a I was able to get sober when I did at such a young age, but also that b that my brother not never got involved in drugs, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, like, I, obviously, he, you know, he, he he did some, um, but he never had that addictive itch <laughs> that yeah. that I have, you know. Yeah, I know that that makes sense, and again, thank you for sharing that because I I think like that's. That's something that, like, abstractly I know as someone who's, like, outside of, like, the gay community. Um, I'm aware of the the relationship to drug use, but um, obviously because it's not my firsthand experience, I only know so much. So um, I appreciate that tidbit of knowledge. Um, and I want to hear your embarrassing story, please. Okay, so my embarrassing story... Um still to this day mortifies me mildly but um so tidbit boys and girls um don't drink an entire bottle of wine before taking up the ass <laughs> okay <laughs> and especially red wine um and it's hard now i um what a positive sex work you decide your own hours Kind of like Uber driving, <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you log on, make an appointment. And um, this married guy was in town. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I've had to do plenty of work on the fact that I slept with multiple married men. Um, but this married guy was on a business trip and he wanted to have sex with a man. And uh, the easiest way to do that in a judgment-free zone is to pay for that. And so I was super drunk and I needed money. And so I sobered up a little bit. Um, and then I went to this guy's hotel room and we're, we're doing the do, you know, I'm just kind of like laying on my back, staring at the ceiling, waiting for it to finish. And all of a sudden you just smell it. Mm. And the guy's like, Oh shit. And literally there was shit everywhere. Oh my God. It was everywhere. And it's because girl that wine ran right through me okay <laughs> <laughs> and i i'd be a liar if i said this is the first time that's happened <laughs> and i'd be I, a liar i feel like if you're getting fucked in the ass a lot like the Shit the, happens. the statistics are high yeah the statistics are high like and you know I, porn is so fake okay like yeah. you see these women and men take like these massive dicks up the ass and it comes out clean no okay that bitch is not yeah, for five days okay? yeah that's some deep preparation in that's an unhealthy way deep preparation in an unhealthy way and um I, you know at this point i was just so 
fucked up. I didn't give a shit, you know? And so like, I was, I was not going to prep for a client and, yeah. um, actually, you know, hindsight I should have, cause I wanted to give him, he's paying, want to give him the best possible <laughs> customer experience. Um, but yeah, oh, I shit all over him. It was so embarrassing. And again, I'd be a liar if I said it hadn't happened before. And I'd be a liar if, it, if I said it hadn't happened even now. Okay. Sometimes you just don't prepare properly. Yeah. And because also you have a you have a window, okay? You know, like you douche, yeah. and then you have like a good hour. That's it, you know. Yeah. Um, especially if your fiber content in your diet is not super high, like my diet is mainly fried chicken, okay? So like I have like <laughs> I have like 15 minutes, okay? <laughs> you know? I've got 15 minutes dedicated to you, and then otherwise it's now a shit never, show, literally. You know, literally it's a shit show, and so um. And so I was so embarrassed. He obviously was disgusted. We had to tear the sheets off the bed, okay? And I feel so sorry for the staff that had to clean it the next day. Because this was not a bathhouse. This was a Holiday Inn, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I went – but by then I had already taken my fee. You know, um, I would always tell the client to leave it on the nightstand. Then I would go change, come out naked, go back in the bathroom, count the money, make sure it was enough, put it in my wallet. Hmm. Uh, this man – while I was in the shower cleaning cleaning up, he had uh, gone into my wallet and he had put in an extra twenty dollars because <laughs> he felt so bad. <laughs> so sweet. Honestly, should have been more. I feel like because there's no. I don't know, dude. I shit on his dick. Okay, like <laughs> I know, but like he had he had to and has to know how mortifying that is for anyone. So like you deserved a compensation. <laughs> The dude's probably from Kansas having missionary sex with a woman, okay, like for yeah. his birthday, okay? You know, he just wanted... You gave him have... the wildest experience he was ever going to have. I gave him the truly gay <laughs> anal sex experience, you know? That's what he paid yeah. for. That's what he paid for, you know? And he, you know what? He tipped, okay? So obviously, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's my most embarrassing story. I love it. I mean, I love that these two stories exist on, like, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Um you are truly doing it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I I love you as a person. I, I love, love your you I love your journey, and I will say on like an emotional level, I'm really grateful to know you and have you kind of like be where you are in this world. And I'm really excited that we get to share, you know, your your story of sexuality and sobriety. And I just want to thank you again for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's truly been a pleasure. It's been really cool um, getting to know you as a healthy adult versus, <laughs> you know, you and I, we were yeah. these tragic, damaged teenagers <laughs> um, who let boys mess with their emotions. Um, and now we're grown-ass women, you know, <laughs> healthy <laughs> adults doing the do. Healthy you know? adults. Exactly. Yeah. No, totally. But I love you and I adore you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And... Um, Thank you all for tuning in to the second episode of Sexistentialist. Um, we'll be out with another one super soon, I'm sure. <laughs>